coming up. It bothers me, but it ain't about me. It's about that little boy that they threw away like a piece of trash. That's what bothers me, of course, than anything in the world, because I've got five grandbabies. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. On Saturday, April 16th, Jeff Meredith found a suitcase in the woods in rural Indiana. Inside the suitcase, the body of a young boy. When I first saw that little fella, immediately I felt that he was telling me, help me. I need help. At this time, there's no evidence that leads investigators to believe that he was alive when he went into the suitcase. The boy found inside that suitcase has still not been identified. I'm joined now by Tom Lally, an anchor and reporter at WHAS 11 in Louisville, Kentucky. Tom, thanks for joining the show again. Of course. I'm happy to talk about this today. This case uh, is an emotional one. It's gotten a lot of attention for obvious reasons. Tell us how this first came to your attention. It was back in mid-April, right? Yeah, so it was April 17th. Indiana State Police put out a press release saying that a missing boy had been found or an unidentified boy, I should say, had been found and that they were holding a press conference to share some first details in hopes of finding who this boy was. And so on April 17th, they said, Saturday night, April 16th, a forager, they're a mushroom hunter. He was out looking for morel mushrooms, which here in Louisville, they're mushrooms that you forage and look for the few weeks leading up to the derby. Um, And so it was just a chance that this guy, this time of year, would have been out there looking and found a child dead and police have not been able to identify him. And so that's what we learned on Sunday. And then the next day, on Monday, they formed a national tip line to try and see, does anybody know this boy? They said he was black. At that time, they said about five to eight years old, and now they say five years old, about four feet tall with short hair. They got over 200 calls in that first day, and none of them were the answer they were looking for. Uh, The public information officer actually told me majority of the calls had been for a missing boy out of Norfolk, Virginia. It was Cody Bigsby, who some people might recognize. That's a high profile case out there. And all they told us was, it's not Cody. We don't know who it is. And today they still don't know who this is. And, and when did you learn, Did I mean, did you learn from police relatively early the circumstances surrounding how the boy had been left in the woods? So, no. Uh, The only reason we actually found out is because I went to the investigator and I asked. Uh, I had been talking to people in the community. First off, I didn't know what mushroom hunting was at the time. So (laughs) I was trying to find mushroom hunters, talk about like how a mushroom hunter could find a boy this way. What are the odds? Uh, And this guy that I was talking to was from Washington County, Indiana, where this boy was found. We didn't know exactly where at the time. And he started to tell me, yep, he was found in this location. He was found in a suitcase. It's a suitcase you immediately recognize. And so I went to police and I said, everyone in town is sharing this information that we don't have on the record that we're not able to you know, bring to a wider audience to say, this is how you might be able to help find this boy. And it's tricky with a case like this because we're dealing with the officer who's not involved with the case. He's just a public information officer. And so he has to pull investigators aside to get that information. It's kind of convoluted. But by the time that we got it, it was um, April 19th, which is the Tuesday after he was found on the Saturday. And it's this bright 
blue and orange Las Vegas suitcase that a lot of people have told me you can find at Ross Dress for Less at a time a while ago. You would think it's one that you would immediately be able to find where it came from, but police have said it's not so simple. And, and I recall when I first started hearing about this case that the image of that that suitcase was being made public at that point, and and, and the request was, you know, have you seen a suitcase like this? But it, but it was more specific. It wasn't just, have you ever seen a suitcase like this? Because they're fairly common. It was, you know, maybe describe for us a little bit about what police were asking and putting out there. Police were asking if you had seen this bright Las Vegas suitcase in early April in southern Indiana. They think that this boy could be from anywhere over the country or over the world. So they've been trying to push it out. They did interviews on CNN, ABC, shared our story through the network. And police just wanted anyone who recognized Southern Indiana or traveling towards that area, this suitcase, early April, because they believe that the boy had been placed there the week before he was found. Um, And so police were just asking anyone with information about the suitcase, that time, that location, or this missing boy that's not identified in a database already to come forward. And what did we learn along the way, or what have we learned about the cause of death and also the description of this child? So before we get to that, I did want to talk a little bit about Jeff Meredith, um, because he is the the person that has kind of made this story the lens in which I see it through. Uh, when police first released that it was the suitcase in this location, it was a Tuesday. Uh, I had driven out there. It's this dead-end road in a real-world area. It's the kind of place you don't get to unless you're trying to get there. Um, and I talked to the family at the end of the road. They didn't really feel comfortable talking on camera. I pulled up to this house that's like last before the end of the road. And I pull up in the driveway. I get out of the car, and he yells, they already tried. I don't want to do an interview. And I leave the camera in the car. I say, I, we don't need to do an interview. I just want to talk to you, learn what's going on. You live here. You know more about what's happening here than I do. And he had some bad experience uh, with other stations in the area. And so I sat on his porch for, I think, an hour and a half talking with him. And it, at first, he starts saying, you know, it's awful what happened. It's just terrible. And then he looks me in the eyes. And he's, like, about ready to cry. And he says, I found that little feller there. And I said, you found the boy in the suitcase? And he can't even answer. He just shakes his head yes. And he had just been distraught. He goes on to tell me that it was a suitcase. He, it was late at night. He wouldn't normally be out. It was around you know, 9 or 10 p.m. The sun had just set or was just about to. And he saw this strange color when he was looking. Of course, when you're looking for mushrooms, you're looking at you know, the browns and the greens, trying to find this yellowish brown. And he sees a bright blue. He knows something's out of place. And he walks up to it. And he describes knowing that he wanted to call the police. But he also told me he would have felt like a fool if he called. And it was just this suitcase that's laying there in the woods. And there's nothing about it. And he wasted these guys' time. So he walks up and he opens it himself. And he's telling me all of this. As I'm sitting with him on the porch, he has this little dog, Zazu, named after the bird from The Lion King, uh, biting at both of our ankles. It's a really young puppy. And he says he opened the suitcase, and it looked like the boy was looking up at him for help. And then he kind of broke down talking about that. And the dog came up. It's like the dog knew. (laughs) He came up to the man and started, you know, like uh, licking at his knee there. Um, And he picked the dog up and held him close. 
And he said that if he didn't have that dog, the last week would have been a lot harder to get through. Something else he told me that day was he won't rest until that boy has a name. And so I got his contact info and I, I called him every day just to see how he was doing. And then we went nine days over a week without getting any new information from police. It felt like things had gone cold. When I called and asked for an update, they would just say, we don't have anything to share. The tip line hasn't been successful. And so I, I was relaying all this information to Jeff, the guy who found the boy, and then he was finally ready to talk in an interview. And it was probably one of the hardest interviews I've had to do just because it's hard to describe, but in a rural place like this, where people aren't used to talking with strangers, people aren't used to uh, talking with folks who are in the news, there's an honesty about them and an unfiltered emotion that comes with. And it was like he was talking to me like I was a friend about this awful, awful thing that he experienced and how it sticks with him and how he's not able to move forward past it unless someone comes forward. Um, and I really thought that day that sharing his story, hearing someone who's been so significantly impacted by this would compel someone to come forward, but it, it hasn't. He deserves to have a name, you know, just like you and I. We've got a name, and we want a name put on our stone after we're gone. And he deserves that. So if anybody out there knows anything, please come forward. Because that little two-year, that little five-year-old boy needs you now more than ever to give him his dignity back to him. Over a month after the boy was found, Police held another press conference to give an update on the autopsy and toxicology reports. And as you mentioned, that's where we found out it was likely gastroenteritis and electrolyte imbalance. So basically, this boy, about five years old, had been vomiting or throwing up, probably sick from something. And because of that, he had an electrolyte imbalance, which is similar to dehydration. So he was sick, got dehydrated, and they believe that's how he died. Investigators also said they believe he died before he was put inside the suitcase. And well, it, on one hand, it's great to know that, you know, this boy, no one was outwardly malicious, it sounds, to this boy. He wasn't uh, drugged or uh, beaten or uh, treated negatively in any way like that, but it still sounds like an awful death, and it doesn't bring police any closer to an answer. They're still treating it as a death investigation and not a homicide. Right. So that's interesting that it, it's still being treated that way because it, it, it's just difficult to know what could have possibly happened to this boy. I mean, we don't know with that cause of death what could have caused him to be sick, right, in the first place and, and get to that point. Exactly. Or, you know, if the parents are from there, like if it was the parents, if he was with someone else, there are just so many unanswered questions. And at the end of the day, the kid still doesn't have a name. And that's something that Jeff told me he won't rest until he gets. So he is still just, they, they just had a service where they buried the boy, actually. We, we call him our angel right now. Um, we do not want to give him a name. He has, he a, has name. a name. We never knew him in life, but he has drawn us together with love and kindness. I have grandkids and kids and I would, couldn't imagine. <laughs> what we see here today in Selim 
is what we need all over the world. And Tom, I believe they were able to work up a composite, right? But they haven't released that. And you had a conversation about that with police. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I had heard about that. So during that press conference where they announced the the cause of death, um, I asked why we haven't gotten a picture of what this boy could look like. Um, I've heard that they've made a composite uh, and they didn't confirm or deny that on the record. But I asked in this press conference and they basically said, you know, we've received so many calls that haven't been helpful. If we just add another boy's face that people may or may not recognize, we'll start to get a lot of calls. Oh, I think it's this person. I think it's this person. And the officer said, at the end of the day, if you recognize a young child is missing, seeing a photo of that child won't make a difference. The description of this boy could apply to so many people. Why not release a rendering or what kind of clothes the child was wearing? Right. And that's been discussed. But again, the main thing is if somebody knows of a black child who fits this description that's missing, they need to give the call. Having a picture shouldn't make somebody all of a sudden recall, oh, that child, if they know a black child who's missing. But what if they wouldn't know the child is missing, but they could recognize the child? Well, again, and again, uh, there's many different reasons, but sometimes, you know, diagrams, uh, drawings, sometimes those renderings can lead to misconceptions as well. So it can open up a Pandora's box of people saying, well, I thought it was this child, when possibly not. So at this time, they feel it's in the best interest of the case not to do that. As that press conference was coming to an end, I recognized there was all the news people, this public information officer, and then another guy standing to the side. So I walked over to him and I said, are you involved in this case? Are you the lead investigator? And he shook his head and said, yes. And as everybody else from the stations is packing up and walking away to try and get ready for the four and five and six newscasts, uh, I said, I started talking with him about that composite and why they haven't released anything. And he gave me an anecdote of uh, somebody else who they had shared the composite with. I guess there was an officer. He didn't tell me where this was, but a law enforcement officer who thought they knew of a missing boy that matched this description and could have been the unidentified child. Uh, the town is now, is now calling him Angel. Uh, he thought this could have been Angel. And... ISP, Indiana State Police, shared a photo of the boy's face with that officer, and the officer said, yes, this is him. And it turns out they were able to track down the boy the officer was talking about. It, it wasn't the same unidentified boy. It was a missing boy who, were they, who they were able to find because of the extra resources they then put into it. But he said it's very easy. Even a law enforcement officer can confuse this with another child and just distract us from the investigation. Um, so that's their reasoning that they've provided as to why they haven't shared a composite yet. Right. And, and yet being the operative word, maybe at some point they will. I really hope so. Um, I, when the boy was buried last week, I talked with that lead investigator again and I asked if there was any update. Obviously, I didn't want to press too hard. I mean, it was a service and they were there to mourn, not there to answer questions from us. But I asked if there was any update and he said, we've been doing some work. We may have an update soon. So that's kind of what I'm sitting hoping for. I'm hoping I'll get that text or that email that says we're ready to share some more information with y'all. It's just so heartbreaking. And, and, you know, part of it is this, the unknown aspect and and thinking that, well, somebody could be missing their child and have no idea about any of this happening and and just needs to, to hear about it. Or somebody doesn't want, want anyone to know what, what, what's happened. Clearly somebody put this child inside the suitcase. Definitely. 
the child had died and then police say that's when they believe someone put him inside the suitcase. I will say there is a silver lining here. It's a tragic story. Hopefully us talking about it, someone even listening now may be able to recognize or say, hey, that sounds familiar. Let me look into this a little bit more. But the way that this small town community has stepped forward uh, to honor and try and help save this boy surprised me. I looked into CDC data for the population here in Washington County, which is rural Southern Indiana, uh, less than, I think it was either 0.5 or 1% of people in this county are black. It's a child that doesn't look like most people who live in this place where he was found. And at the service, that statistic didn't ring true. People had driven up from Louisville, people had come from other parts of Indiana um, because this boy looked like them and because they thought it was unjust what was happening and the most just thing they could do was help lay him to rest. And the people in this county, there's a local uh, printer shop where they made shirts with a young black boy in a cloud uh, saying, you know, we honor Angel. Uh, his the thing that reads on his headstone is a beloved little boy known but to God. And those shirts that they made all went towards funding this service for the boy. And the town of Salem, Indiana, apparently the funeral home, and which is also the place where he was buried, they have a cemetery outside, called the mayor of Salem, Indiana and said, we want to lay this boy to rest. We don't have the money to do it. And the mayor said, we'll cover it. And so they paid for this headstone. They paid for the burial. Um, they paid to, at least in this boy's death, make sure that he was honored. And so I see that as a slight silver lining. But of course, I'm hoping for that day where we find either who is responsible for this or the context that led up to this tragic death. Tom, before I let you go, if anyone hears this story and thinks they might have any information, what, what's the tip line? Where should they call? Yeah, it's set up just for this case. You can call for free anywhere in the country. It's 1-888-437-6432. That's 1-888-437-6432. Tom Lally at WHS 11 in Louisville. Thanks for talking to us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. Be sure to check out our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles, available wherever you listen to podcasts. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. Will Johnson.